And I feel like we still uh, have more to do on this subject of God being on our side. Can you take some more of that? I feel like we're not through with that. And you need to go till you get through. That's a simple, simple, but extremely important spiritual principle. You keep going until you finish. <laughs> uh, through faith and patience, you inherit the promises. That's how Abraham got to the place where he and Sarah uh, had uh, received the son Isaac. It uh, looked like it was impossible and all the things that happened. And that led to their seed being like the stars of the sky and sand on the seashore. Patience in the scriptures, if you look up the word that's translated patience, it means persistence. Persistence. Perseverance and persistence. You just keep on. You keep on keeping on. How long? Having done all to stand. You stand how long? You say, well, I, I've been standing for six months. Is it done? Well, what's your question? <laughs> what's your question? I've been praying and believing for three years. Well, is it done? Is it, did, has it all come to pass? Well, no. That's what, well, what's your question? You keep believing. You keep going. You keep, keep believing. Keep acting on the word. Uh, in Psalm 118, are you there? Verse 6, it says, the Lord is on my side. Is that good news? What's the result of that? I will not fear. I won't fear. What can man do to me? Verse 7, the Lord takes my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. Uh, verse 13. You've thrust sore at me that I might fall. But the Lord helped me. Said out loud. The Lord, the Lord is my helper. Is my helper. The, Lord the Lord is on my side. Is, on my side. is that true or not? Yes, it is. Then you should make it. Yes. You should make it. Yes. Why? Because of who's helping you. You should make it. It's not, if the Lord's your help, you couldn't say you didn't have good enough help to make it. <laughs> He's my help. And, and go to Psalm 124. 124 and 1. 24.1 says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, now may Israel say that. He said it again. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, that have swallowed us up quick when their wrath was kindled against us. Then the waters had overwhelmed us. The stream had gone over our soul. The proud waters had gone over our soul. So they did have some things to deal with. But the problems did not destroy them because of who was with them, who was on their side. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as a prey to their teeth, our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. There was a trap 
They even got caught in it. But they got out. They got out. <coughs> there is an enemy. There is an adversary. And he lays traps. And so, and he tempts and he has devices. But greater is he that's in you. And he that's for you. And he that's with you. And he that takes your part. And is on your side. So no matter if there's a trap. No matter if there's enemy. If God be for you. Who can be against you? And of course there is somebody against you. So the understanding is who can successfully be against you. When God is for you. Verse 8 said our help is in the name of the Lord. We just got through quoting it, but uh, Romans 8, uh, 31, put that up on the screen for us, 31 and 32. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You, you can hear some sass in that. Hmm? You, you need to get some, some sass. Now, now when you're talking to the Lord, now when you're talking to your elders... <laughs> when you're talking to the enemy, right? Tell him in no uncertain terms. Terms. It doesn't make any difference what he tries to do. The greater one's in me. The greater one's for me. And if God be for me, who can be against me? He goes on to say, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If the Lord was ever going to tell us something was too big, too expensive, too much to give us, it would have been his son. And in that he gave us his son, nothing else that we might need or want even begins to compare. Right? So when you say, God, would you heal me? Uh, I don't know if he would heal me or not. Maybe that's too much. You don't know what you're saying. He gave you Jesus. Right? Well, I don't know that he'd help me pay my bill or my utilities or my, my rent or whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's not his will. You, you don't know him well enough. Or you wouldn't ask such a question. You wouldn't say such a thing. Certainly, it's his will that all your needs be met. And even all your good desires. Hmm? And in that he gave us Jesus, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Timothy went further, chapter 6, and said he gives us richly all things to enjoy. To enjoy. Come on, say say it out loud. Confess it. Say, he gives me me richly. Richly. All things, All things to enjoy. Now religion won't tell you that. But the Bible tells you that. <coughs> Go with me please over to 1 Corinthians the 6th chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In 1 Corinthians 6. First Corinthians six, 
and verse 12. He says, all things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. You could also use these words. You could say, all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Under the power of any of it. Just because you can do it, and you're not, you know, you're not under a law saying you can't do it, doesn't mean it couldn't be a habit that's an addiction to you. And that you're under the power of it. Hmm? And everybody just has to know their own heart. As to what that might be. You don't need to make rules for other people. Simply because it's a problem for you. Hmm? <laughs> Especially when it pertains to things like diet. Hmm? I had a fellow one time tell me, he said, uh, he said, Brother Keith, uh, you know, I, I like coffee and I drink a lot of coffee. I mean, you know, eight, ten cups a day probably. And he said, but I feel like it's hurting me. What do you think I ought to do? <laughs> Now you're, <laughs> uh, <laughs> y'all believing with me? <laughs> There's a whole lot of ways you can go with this, <clears throat> right? <laughs> uh, back up just a few pages to Romans. You're there in First Corinthians. In Romans. Uh, this whole, this entire 14th chapter and, and part of the 15th is talking about eating things or not eating things, but with spiritual connections, not just about nutrition. He said, uh, verse 16, let, this is Romans 14, 16, let not your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he that in these things serves Christ, serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat, and as King James, we'd say food, for food, destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it's evil for that man who eats with offense. It's good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby your brother stumbles, or is offended, or is made weak. Have you faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he that condemns not himself in that thing which he allows. And if he that doubts is damned, or that word is condemned, if he eats, because he eats not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. 
Remember James talked about to him that knows to do good and doeth it not. To him it is sin. People might say, well, isn't sin sin? No. Actually, no. You shouldn't take anybody's list of don'ts. Well, who, who declared it was a sin? Well, our denomination said this is a sin, this is not a sin. It's not as simple as that. If you read the Bible, if you believe it's wrong, then to, for you, it's a sin. Sin is violation of light. What you see and know from God. And if you believe and that you see in your spirit that this displeases God, and you go ahead and do it anyway, then you've sinned. You violated light. And so th- this guy was talking about his uh, drinking his coffee. What did he tell me? I feel like it's hurting me. That's the issue. It's not the eight cups or the twenty cups. What's this? It's not whether it's good to drink coffee or bad to drink coffee. None of that's the issue. What's the issue? He he believes it's hurting him. So in this case, he can't have faith to be healed drinking the coffee. Why? Because he believes it's hurting him. If he believes it's hurting him and he keeps drinking it or drinking as much as he's drinking. And it's not, I'm not picking on coffee. It could have been tea. It could have been Coke or Dr. Pepper. Come on, are you all with me? But if he believes it's hurting him, then now he's violating his conscience. And if you're violating your conscience, your faith won't work. Because that's the part of your being you believe God with. Let's go to another scripture. Go to, go to 1 John. <clears throat> the third chapter. 1 John 3. And you might say, what's this got to do with God being with me? Just hold on. I'm going to tell you in just a minute. <laughs> it does go together. 1 John 3. Are you there? Verse 18. My little children. 1 John 3, 18. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Not just talk, but action. Verse uh, 19. Hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, if what condemns us? The Holy Spirit? No. See, a lot of times people say this wrong. They'll say, you know, man, that, that, during the message or during my praying or during reading the word, boy, the, the, the Lord really condemned me about some things. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. God didn't condemn you. The Spirit of God uh, convicted you or convinced you of what is right. And in the light of what is right, you saw you weren't lined up with it. 
and you were wrong and then your own heart condemned you. Come on, can you see this, friends? Don't say God condemned you. Don't say the Holy Spirit condemned you. That's not correct. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. If your heart's bothering you about something, don't try to hide it. Don't run from God. He already knows it. Right? He's the one showed you the light you have. And another note about that, don't think you can kid him. You can play dumb with other people about what you see or, or know or don't know. Well, I didn't see that. I didn't know that. But you, exactly, it doesn't work with him. You, you cannot, you can try it, but he won't even, he won't even answer you. You can't, if you want to get close to God, you've got to get real with God. You got to. And, and you, can't, you can't pull anything over him. All things are open and naked before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He sees right through everything, right into your heart and mind. He knows. So the only thing to do, if you're going to have fellowship with him, is to admit it. Acknowledge what you see, what you know. A lot of times you need to start off by saying, I knew better. He already knows you knew better. Right? <laughs> and he's not interested in you being condemned. He is interested in you being free. And you can't be free hiding things and pretending. If our heart condemns us, God's greater than our heart and knows all things. When I see that guy, he, his heart was bothering him about this coffee. What can fix that? He, he has to make whatever changes so that his heart's no longer bothering him about this. If our heart condemn us, God knows it. Verse 21, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Confidence toward God is another word for faith. When can we have faith in God? When our heart, if our heart, is not condemning us. If our heart's bothering us about something, people can pray for you, you can make good confessions, and it's not going to work. Because in your heart, you know there's something you hadn't fixed. And this is why the enemy works so hard to get you to do this. To hide it, to cover it, to pretend, because then he's got you in limbo. Your faith won't work. And it's not that God's withholding from you. The hand that receives from him is paralyzed. Condemnation kills confidence. It's the confidence killer. If our heart doesn't condemn us, condemns us not, then what's our situation? We have confidence toward God. Keep reading. Keep reading. And whatever we ask, we get it. 
Why? Because we're keeping his commandments. We're doing what he told us to do. And our heart knows it. And he knows it. And the devil knows it. And get out the way. Because here we come. We're getting, we're receiving whatever we're needing. Oh, is everybody awake? Are you awake? Is this important? God's not withholding from us. He's not withholding from anybody. But in order to enjoy something and experience it, whatever it might be, you have to lay hold of it with a good strong hand of faith and believe you receive it. And condemnation takes all the strength out of your grip. Can you see this? Condemnation causes you to, instead of drawing near to God to receive, it causes you to pull back and cower. Why? Because your heart's bothering you about something. You know you didn't do what he told you to do. You know you're doing something he told you not to do. Whatever the case may be. Let me read it again. Verse 21. Verse 21. If our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence toward God. Is it important whether you have confidence toward God or not? Oh, it makes all the difference in the world. We're talking about faith here. And verse 22. And if our heart's not condemning us, whatever we ask, we receive of him. That's your healing. That's your direction. At your finances, at your wisdom for life, whatever you're asking for, whatever you're needing, you're receiving it. Why? Because you're doing what he told you to do. And your heart's clear. Now, all of us have messed up and come short. But that doesn't have, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is what you do after that. If you try to hide it. And you keep going day after day with that bothering your heart. You've let the enemy trick you. Your confidence is diminished. But if you deal with it, you confess it, you acknowledge it, you come to the Lord and you repent. Repent means to change. Then your heart's all clear now. Whatever mistake you did make, you've received. Your forgiveness for it. And you're not continuing to violate light. You've made the change. Then you're in a place to believe God. And nothing's impossible to you. Can you see why the enemy tries continuously to get us in some degree of disobedience? Because he knows what it will do to your faith. Get us in some, some degree of dishonesty. Hiding stuff, covering stuff. He knows what it'll do to your faith. Somebody needs to yell out, no more, no more, no more, no more. I'm not letting him do that to me anymore. What are we going to do? Repent. When you mess up, repent quickly and honestly and openly. Get your heart clear. Keep your heart, keep your conscience clear. And if your heart is not condemning you at all about anything, man, your confidence just comes right up. And whatever you ask, you receive it. Am I reading scriptures? Come on, am I I reading Bible? 
This is not just my your idea. <laughs> we gave the devil a great big kick right then. I mean, we we kicked him smack between the eyes. Go back to 1 Corinthians. <coughs> Sixth chapter. That was all extra. I was going to 1 Corinthians 6, but the Lord helps us, doesn't he? I'm so... I'm so thankful. How much condemnation should you have in your life and in your heart? Zero. Whatever it takes to get your heart clear and keep it clear, do it. No, no price is too high. 1 Corinthians 6. He said, uh, where did we start reading last time? You remember? Yeah. Uh, I won't be brought under the power of any of it. Verse 13, meats, that means foods, for the belly and the belly for foods. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now that's talking about there's coming a time when nothing down here is going to continue. Everything is going to be melted with fervent heat. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. Some would say, well, you know, God made us sexual creatures, and that's just normal. No, we weren't just made for sexual activity with any and everybody. (laughs) Fornication is sex with people you're not married to. Sex outside a covenant. Marriage is covenant. But the body is what? The body's for what? For the Lord. Come on, say it out loud. The body body is for the Lord. Lord. But the sentence didn't end there. What does it say? And God's on my side. See, I hadn't forgot where we were. (laughs) The Lord is for me. He's on my side. Did you know he is for your body? This one. Right now, God is for my body. I see you need a little convincing. Notice what what was the previous phrase? The body for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So the, the body for the Lord came first in the sentence. Keep reading. God has raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. This body is my body forever. Somebody said, well, no, no, we're getting rid of this and getting a new one. Actually, it'll be this one glorified. This body is a, I know this is stretchy a little bit, but this body is an eternal part of the plan of God. So treat it a little nicer. Be a little bit more appreciative of it. I know it's got its issues, and that's because of the curse. 
That's because of how we're living. But I assure you, when the glory of God changes it, you're going to be completely thrilled with it. And it's going to be this. Changed. Now, how, how's all that going to happen? Don't ask me to explain it. But we know those of us that are alive and remain when he comes in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. Everybody knows that verse. <laughs> we shall be changed. This mortal is going to put on immortal. Immortality. Hallelujah. Do you know what that means? No, you don't. No, you don't. It means not one more wrinkle ever. Not one more gray hair. None of your cells will ever die again. We've we, we never been in a body like that. Once that happens, never will you be weak or hurting or in any way subpar. You will never have an off day, headache, stomach ache, back ache, blurry vision, dull hearing, never. Never, never, not 30 minutes after it happens, not 30 million years after that happens. If you believe the Bible, which I do. But for a few more moments, you have to deal with this. <laughs> and God time, it's not much time. If you're, if you're 50 plus years old, God time, you have about an hour left on this planet. I'm serious. Because to him, a thousand years is like a day. So from his perspective, what you've got left you know, if you got another 50 plus years left, would be um, about like an hour to him. <laughs> you, can, you can hang tough for an hour. Can you? You can, you can deal with it. You can keep washing this thing and trying to take care of it, propping it up. and Huh? And just, and just talk to it. You know, if it's, if it's acting a little iffy, just say, hey, just say, hey, buddy, hold on. Just, just, just hang on. Won't be long. God's gonna fix you. He's gonna fix you. We'll do what we can to help it along, but but He's gonna fix what nobody could fix. Keep reading. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Is that true? Said out loud, my body, this body, is a member of Christ. Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? So he's talking about the body you can commit fornication with. This one, right now, is a part of Christ. This body is. He said, God forbid, 
May it not be. Verse 16. What? Know you not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, says he, shall be one flesh. Keep reading. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without his body, but he that commits fornication sins against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God is for my body. But I need to, to know and make a commitment that my body is for him. Because the devil is a thief. And he wants to steal what is God's. And he wants to use what is God's. And he wants to abuse what is God's. Go with me. You're there in 1 Corinthians 6. Go back to Romans 12. <coughs> Romans 12. Verse 1. I beseech you, brethren. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, or some say worship. You present what? Your bodies. Does God care about your body? See, some people are trying to tell you, oh, you know, this old body, it's affected by sin. That's true. It's... Uh, you know, God don't, it doesn't really matter. It's the spiritual things that matter. What you do with this body really doesn't, doesn't even count. That's a lie. That's not true. Your body and mine is bought with a price. This body is a member of Christ. We're not supposed to just do anything with this body. He said, I, I, I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The, uh, the devil is a thief. He seeks to steal what is God's and to use and abuse what is God's? He delights, the devil does, in you or I or any, any of us defiling our body with wrong things and unclean things and destroying our body. The enemy delights in it because it's holy to God and it's taken something that is God's and that is important to God and special and holy to God. And using it for sometimes despicable, disgusting things, the devil delights in it. It's like he flaunts it in God's face. And many Christians don't even have a clue what's going on. But, said out loud, my body, my body 
Is the house the temple of the Holy Spirit? Holy. Holy Spirit. Many times, Christians' bodies are not doing well because of abuse. And that may be different from what what you're thinking about. Abuse. Obviously, if you drink a bunch of alcohol, you're destroying your organs, that's abuse. If you're smoking and destroying your lungs, that's abuse. If you're uh, taking substances that are killing brain cells, (laughs) right? You're being damaged. Actually, you're letting the enemy do it. He tempted you and you did it. And so then that gives him an inroad to destroy. Can you see this? Doing sexual things. Contracting diseases. On and on. The enemy is always trying to get you to do something that gives him access to damage you. And it doesn't have to be something you ingest. Worry can can destroy you. Anxiety and worry, your nervous system, your immune system is not designed to handle it. It'll break you down. And you may think you're being, you know, a a good Christian. You just worry about your kids. You just worry and fret about your grandkids. But you're being disobedient to the scripture that said, be careful for nothing. And cast all your care over on him. Is that right? And by carrying this care, it's chewing up your body. And it's allowing the enemy to do damage to you. So you wind up with headaches and you wind up with stomach problems and digestive problems and that affects the other and, and, and your immune system gets weakened and there's too much inf- inflammation and, and infection and swelling and one thing affects the other and affects the other. And the problem is you're letting the devil drive your car. You're letting him drive. How many know you should not let everyone or just anyone drive your car? When I was uh, 15, from the time I was young boy, I liked motorcycles. And uh, I got a little, little 125 bike that was a junker and I drove it for... I don't know, a few weeks, and then it broke, and I couldn't afford to fix it, and, and so it sat for month after month after month. Well, when I was 15, got my license, and that's the age you, you got it there in Mississippi when I was a boy. Uh, not long after that, my dad uh, took me to the Honda place, and he and Mom got me a brand new metal flake orange Honda 175. Man, that's one of the prettiest things I thought I'd ever seen. Had the metal flake orange 
tank and fenders and had to chrome and oh man. Well, uh, I, I delighted in it and I babied it. And I mean, one time my mom came out and said, son, if you don't quit washing that thing, you're going to wash all the paint off of it. Because I mean, I didn't let it get dirty. I mean, if it got dirty, it had to be washed that day. And, and I, I mean, I, I was on it all the time. Well, uh, one of my friends, Tony Rhodes, was a bit of a wild child. And he had some high performance things, but he always trashed them. He'd just, he'd tear them up. I mean, he'd rev them too high and he'd drive them too hard and he'd break them. Well, as soon as I got my new motorcycle, guess what? He wants to drive my new Honda. And I was like, no, 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 you can't. Tony, no. And a few weeks would go by and he'd hit me up again. Oh, I'll be, I'll be careful, and, and I'll do this, and I'll do, well, no, I know Tony, so no, no. I mean, he breaks everything he gets. Tony, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but you know it's true. <laughs> now, they, maybe he's changed. That was a lot of years ago, but, but he was a bit of a wild child. <laughs> He'd go too fast and, and break his stuff, and... And so he kept on month after month, and finally he was like, man, uh, you know, why would you let me ride your bike? You know, I'd let you use my stuff, and of course, if it was running. And, uh, and I kind of felt bad, and he kept working on me, and, and I said, well, uh, but you know, don't, don't rev it too, too much, and, and don't shift it hard, and don't, you know, uh, burn the clutch, and, and just, you know, oh, no, 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 I just want to ride it down the road a little ways, and... I knew better, but I did. I let him drive the motorcycle. Well, he eased out of the driveway, and everything's fine, and, and he wasn't half a mile down the road out of sight. I heard it. He just nailed it for everything it was worth and just, well, whose fault is that? Oh, you're going to point the finger at me. <laughs> You're exactly right. I should not have let Tony Rhodes drive my new motorcycle. I knew better. I knew what he was going to do to it. Well, thankfully, he didn't crash it, and it was still usable when he got back. But why am I saying all that? The enemy is that way. He's continually trying to get you to let him to drive. Hmm? What does that mean? Let's do some drugs. Let's get drunk. Especially if you've done it in the past. And you have experience of it. Then he brings it back to you. He, he's like an old girlfriend or old boyfriend. <laughs> that you used to know. After you got married. You won't hear from him maybe for a long time. And then one Saturday night he'll roll up in the driveway and go, hey, remember me? Hey, let's party. You know you want to. You know you like it. Remember what we used to do? But what he's wanting to do is for you to give him some access so he can steal and kill and destroy. 
And if you let him drive, he's going to break something. Maybe not the first time, but if you keep doing it. Come on, can you see this, friends? And so, letting, yielding the wrong things is not knowing, not realizing you are not your own. Your body is not your own. Come on, go back there and look at it again. 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 19. He said, uh, what? Now this is the Holy Spirit. What? When you say what, what do you mean? What? Don't you know? No, this is something you should know. If you act like you don't know it, why don't you know it? What? Don't know what? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. How many think it would not be right for us to make some extra money and rent out this facility to, say, um, which covenant wants to have a meeting? Huh? Or just some other religions that are, you know, don't believe in Jesus and actually talk bad about him, but, you know. Or just some, uh, some concerts where it's just profanity through the whole thing and who knows what's going on. But, you know, we'll sweep it out before service. Hmm? <laughs> yeah, what? What? What'd be wrong with that? We must have turned down over the years hundreds of such requests. People wanting to rent. People wanting to use it. People wanting to do things with our equipment. But I see it as holy to the Lord. It's his, it's his things. He, he gave the money to his people and they gave it. Is that right? So the moment they gave it to him, it became holy. And the moment we, we built it for him and dedicated it to him, it's holy. Somebody say holy. holy. What does that mean? That means it's for his exclusive use. We're not going to let somebody come in here and saturate the fabrics with remnants of evil spirit activity. And that's reality. That's real. A lot of folks don't think it is, but it's real. Oh, come on now. If you've been around much at all and have much sensitivity to you, you have walked into places before and felt stuff and thought, man, what has been going on in here? Right? That's because stuff has been going on in there that shouldn't have been going on. Well, the same thing can be true when good things have been going on. When the Spirit of God's been real strong. And His love and His power and His grace and His goodness. People can sense that when they pull in the parking lot. They can sense that when they come on the the property. You believe that when they sit down in the chair. If 
it's his. If the things are for him, then he can be for them. He can protect them. He can keep them. He can manifest his presence in them. And come on, can you see that? Whatever you give to him and dedicate to him and make his. But you've got to make up your mind, we don't loan it to the enemy. We don't loan it to the enemy. And the truth is, this and the building and property in Branson is not the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's not. This, this, this is the house of God. Come on, somebody, pat it, touch it. Say, this is the real house of God. Didn't the scripture say God doesn't live in buildings built with men's hands? Is that right? Now, he'll manifest himself in here. Why? Because we're in here. (laughs) But actually, the house of God is in the building. Huh? The temple of God is not the building. The temple of God's in the building. He said, verse 19, are you there? What? No, you're not. Don't you know? That your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which, or we'd say, who is in you, which you have of God, that we have the Holy Spirit of God, and you are not your own. For you are bought with a price. I'm not my own. My body's not my own. People say, well, you know, it's my body, consenting adults. What does that matter? If you're a believer, that's just not true. What I do with my body is my business. Hmm? Affairs, abortions, it's my body. Then you're not a believer. If you're a Christian, and if you're not a Christian, there's no point in us having a conversation. Because you are doing your own thing without God. But if you are a believer, your body is not your own to do with as you choose. You should ask Him about everything. Right? You should ask Him. And then if He's Lord, you do what He says. I assure you, if you'd be honest and say, Lord... Is it okay with you for me to smoke these five packs of cigarettes a day? Is this okay with you? <laughs> I know it's your body, so is, is you like it? <laughs> Lord, is, is it fine with you for me to drink two-fifths of whiskey a day? Is that, is that cool? You okay with that? Huh? Smoke a pound of dope a day? Is that, is that okay with you? You know, have have sexual affairs as often as I can. Is that all right? If it's his body, then you want to do what he wants done with it. Right? And the more we give it to him, 
the body for the Lord, then the more he can be the Lord for the body. Whatever I give to him, see now if we're doing crazy stuff in these buildings and on these properties, is God obligated to, to keep us in plenty of money to keep the utilities on and everything? No. If we're not doing what he wants done, and that's what has happened to a lot of churches. That's why they ran out of money. Nobody's immune to it. You decide to go nuts and do something the Lord didn't tell you to do. He's not obligated to finance all that. Take care of you. But if it's really for him doing what he wants, can you count on him to take care of it? He's going to take care of it. He's well able to. That's true with our entire lives. That's true with our bodies and our minds and our families. But you can't just run to him and say, I need help when you got a problem, but you don't care what he wants and you don't, you don't try to do anything that he wants with what you are and have. doesn't work. And if we yield our minds to think wrong things, our mouths to say wrong things, our hands to do wrong things, our feet to go wrong places, is God obligated to keep us in perfect health so we can sin comfortably? Well, then the body is not for the Lord. And that hinders him being for the body. Said out loud, my body body is for the Lord. Lord. I know one of the first uh, sports cars I got. I'd been wanting one for many years and I got a white, Phyllis and I got a white Corvette convertible. It was a 1988 and uh, there was some boys in the neighborhood. When I got that car, I came in. It was bright white and had a bright red leather interior. You couldn't miss it, man. I mean, chrome wheels. I came in, and uh, the boys in the neighborhood noticed it. And I was over there washing it one day, and they, they came over. And, um, and they was talking about it and asked questions about the car. One of them said, uh, you won't believe what he does. He lived beside me. The other guy said, what? One of the kids popped up and said, he sells drugs. I said, he said no, I don't sell drugs. <laughs> but he said, he buys drugs. I said, no, he don't buy drugs. He, one of them said, no, he's a preacher. And the boys looked at him and their mouth came open. I said, yeah, boys. I said, this is a church-going car. It's been to church so many times, it just almost turns that way when you come out of the driveway. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> and it's a blessed car. Well, it looked it too. Well, we ought to be that way. Right? Not just your car, not just the building, but us, our spirit, our mind, our soul, and our bodies. Is that right? Are for the Lord. And as surely as it's truly that way, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? He can be for you. Can he keep me through anything to do his work? Yes. No matter what might try to happen to my body, <clears throat> what might attack it, what genetic defect or whatever might happen, can God fix it? Can he tweak it? Can he change it to keep me in good operation doing what he wants me to do? Can he? Yes. Can he? Yes. Easily. Easily. 
But is that the big challenge? That ain't the big challenge. Getting him to do that. The challenge is. Who am I living for? Who am I letting drive? (laughs) Are y'all with me? Because if you let the devil drive. And you go off on these binges. And you get into all this stuff you know better. Then. It's like, you know, loaning your Lexus sedan to somebody and they went, they went four-wheeling in it. They took it off-road, tore off the bumpers, tore the exhaust out, busted the springs and the shocks. But here's the good news. You can be over in the ditch with your axle broke. They say, Jesus, I need help. He will send the tow truck. He will send the truck to get you. And he will drag you in. But he's going to want to have a talk with you. Come and see my listen. He's going to want to talk to you. How did this happen? How did this happen? What? <laughs> what? Didn't you know? And if you, you might as well be honest with you because he already knows. How'd this happen? Let the devil drive. You, you did what? Let the devil drive. Let the devil drive. Yeah, let the devil drive. <laughs> you let the devil drive your car. Yeah. What? <laughs> If you intend to change, it can take away any condemnation. He's not interested in you feeling bad about this. That ain't going to help you or him. And the price has already been paid. It's not like he's trying to hold anything against you. But it's all about your heart. Are you willing to acknowledge where you went wrong? And what's the next one? Come on, help me out. What's the next one? Are you willing to change? Because if you're going to loan it to him again tomorrow. But if you're willing to change. The Lord is so merciful. Even if you've done the same dumb wrong stuff a hundred times. If you, if you get serious with him. He'll come get you. He'll tow you in. He'll fix you. Good as new. Look like it's like it never happened. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. But if you're smart and not a really, really dull, slow learner, if you're smart, the next time he comes around to tempt, what will you say? Come on, let me drive. I won't. I won't. I won't run it too hard. I will, I'll stay on the paved roads. Come on. Let me just just do a little bit. We're not going to go too far. We just do a little bit. Just 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 a little bit. Just a couple of pills. Just just two drinks. Just mm, you you're you're not going to go too far. Just go talk to them. Just meet. This kind of thing leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next. And if you yield to it, 
it takes a toll on you. All you have you seen people that have just lived and extended life of sin? I mean, they can be 40 and look like 65. Is that right? What's it doing to them? It's 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 abusing God's body. Is that right? This body, these hands, are not made to punch and hurt people. They're made to lay hands on them, believe, believe for them to get healed. This mouth is the Lord's. The body's not for fornication, it's for the Lord. It's for, not for cursing, not for slandering, not putting people down, making them feel bad. It's for building them up and, and blessing them and, and helping them. Is that right? These feet, it's not to go to the darkest dive and the most evil stuff. It's to go to church and go to meetings and go do good things and help people in need and go to work and make a bunch of money and Come on, are y'all with me or not? This mind, it's not to dwell on dark, twisted stuff that puts you in fear and panic. It's to think on things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. Is that right? The Lord told us what to do with all these things that are His. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Romans 14, 7 said, none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Somebody say, we are the Lord's. Say it out loud. I am the Lord's. I'm redeemed. I've been bought with a price. Is that right? God is supposed to be glorified in my spirit and in my body, both of which are His. The devil is not to be glorified. I tell you, some of the times that my heart has hurt the most is when I realized I let the devil use my mouth to hurt somebody. And you realize he played you. He you got all worked up with a feeling and he brought this thought and words to you and you just spit them out. And it was the very thing that he knew would grill them and hurt them. And in that case, you yielded your vessel as an instrument of the enemy. Doesn't mean you're possessed. Doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you let him drive. You let him use these things. We, friends, we need to make up our mind that we are not giving him any place nor any use of our mouths, our tongues, our words, our minds, right? Our bodies. And the more we consecrate and commit what the Lord's given us, that's his, to him, for his use, he has a right. Come on, somebody hear that? He has a right to take care of what's his, to protect what's his, to keep what is his, to provide for what is his, to heal and keep strong what is his, to prolong the days of what is his, what is his. 
used for his purposes and his uses exclusively. Hallelujah. When the enemy comes, he should see a big sign outside your life that says, no vacancy. <laughs> when the Holy Spirit moves, you need to, he needs to see open 24-7. Is that right? To you. <laughs> Anytime. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody.